Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, Seattle, Washington, and the greater Earth. The greater Earth. Everyone, yeah, everyone's involved. Everyone that we know of, all life forms in all of existence, we're broadcasting to you. You know, I just recently watched a bunch of those superhero movies on HBO Axe because mm. they have all the uh, DC ones on there now. Okay. So I was watching Justice League and all that. The Flash. Um, is he one of them? I think he was maybe in one of them. Is he the one that bends time, it slows yeah. down time? Yeah, he was in Justice uh, League. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. They're the, the, the Avengers of DC kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Batman in there? Batman, Superman. Spider-Man's DC? Wonder Woman. No, Spider-Man's Avengers. That's uh, um, that's he, Marvel. Well, but Lex Luthor was in there. And he's a baddie in the Spider-Man. Oh, my God. Why are we talking? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, because I don't a, know anything this, about it. This is a way to open up the thing. I think just because it was fresh on my mind and you said uh, <laughs> people of the earth, and I just like yeah. my mind went to all of these uh, movies that um, I binged watched because I don't normally watch superhero movies. So that yeah. is not on the movie watching list for Roots Grooves. That's not. At Signal Studios, we have a bunch of other good ones that we've name dropped throughout mm -hmm. many episodes. I have to go back through and uh, make a list and we have to watch them. We've got to start now before there's too many episodes to, that we're going to not care to do it anymore. We already have like <clears throat> 10 hours yeah. worth of movies to watch. The yeah. last two we talked about was Lost in Translation and uh, Slam. Mm -hmm. Slam is a music document. So not all the movies we mention on here are music related, but there are a few. And, Most, and yeah, and they have. And the reason we talked about Lost in Translation because the last episode was about dry cleaning and rewind your episodes. Rewind your episodes. <laughs> re <laughs> re rewind your. Well, uh, we're not on VCRs. Yeah, rewind your VHS tapes to uh, that episode because we're releasing our episodes on VHS tapes in mm -hmm. blockbuster videos now. Um, Exclusive joke. That's a sarcastic joke. Sorry. Let, let's uh, get to the nitty gritty here. Come on. We're, they, that's we're, enough we, preamble. We just, there's like two more listeners now. Yeah, we lost exactly, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, everybody. We're talking yeah. about Lamb. Mm -hmm. Lamb, L A M B. Electronic duo. Out of the UK. Yes. Um, they have been around for a super long time. I've known about them for since my early uh, teenage years of listening to music in the UK. Their first album came out in like '96, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, but I didn't really uh, know about them until their second album, which came out in '99. So it was around about that time, '99, 2000, early 2000s, that I first heard them. Um, I'm not sure how I came across them back in those days. It was probably like through radio or something like that. Or, yeah. Um, so yeah. And uh, I was super into that sec their second album called Fear of Fours, spun it a lot, had a CD copy of it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of why I, I sort of brought them up this week uh, as an act to talk about because they've had an interesting history, interesting career. They've been on again, off again, um, but they come from a very interesting uh, uh, perspective musically. Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i don't know if you if you've ever heard of any of them or any of their tracks or anything like that no or, yeah. i did not recognize the name yeah as as um further further more than you know the the lamb you'd see in a a stable you know with jesus nearby i thought, or, you, were, I thought you were gonna say in a grocery store <laughs> <laughs> i've had i've had lamb and it's it's, it's nice it's tender yeah it's lamb good it's good but these guys are dynamic and it's really cool so they're electronic d Electronic duo, yeah. uh, female vocalist, yeah. male 
um, producer, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. I should probably say the names. Lou Rhodes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The vocalist. Is, yeah. Is the woman vocalist, mm-hmm. and she's coming from a really uh, kind of folky singer songwriter kind of vibe, mm-hmm. and you know, really kind of dramatic. Yeah. And um, like, what's the word? Like, I mean, introspective and intimate kind of lyrics and delivery with her voice. Yeah. And then as opposed to the producer, can you give me his name real quick? It was Andy. Andy Barlow. Andy Barlow. So then he's coming from like kind of an opposite side of kind of electronic music, a little bit more towards, I want to say like industrial, but these kind of 90s beats, these kind of breakbeat produced uh, electronic vibes. Yeah. I feel, I mean, they came from the 90s. So a lot of that sound, I, I feel like it's kind of 90s. Yeah. You know, way up in there. That's where he's kind of coming from. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was listening to this stuff and it's it is dynamic and it, it does change. It's not it doesn't have that just nineties feel. It's it is more than that and it goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were the first tracks I was listening to and it just kinda has that kind of nineties kind of vibe. Whatever that means to everybody listening. Where did you start? What was the first uh, stuff you listened to after I suggested Lamb? So on Lamb, I think I started from the the bottom, from the first album. Mm-hmm. And I put that one on, and that, that's why I'm kind of saying my initial reaction is kind of 90s, because a lot of the stuff on there yeah, does yeah. kind of sound a little bit more towards the 90s, yeah. as it was in 1996, when yeah. kind of this stuff was getting popular, and electronic music was getting popular. Do you think it sounds dated? Or? S- some of it, to me, a little bit. Yeah. But that's... Like, it you know, sounds like it comes from Essentials, 90s, Beats and Breaks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 100 yeah. percent, but it's one of those things where it's like if it sounds like that this is kind of one of the bands who was doing it in the 90s yeah. kind of originally right you know what i mean so which is really cool so they were doing this i mean over two decades ago yeah uh is that right yeah yeah it's yeah. fair to say yeah um yeah so i guess like yeah, an overview of, the, of their music i mean you've kind of sort of touched on it a bit but um yeah sort of drum and bass bass breakbeat mm-hmm. um trip hop with jazz and a lot of strings and atmospherics. I saw one word, folktronica. Folktronica, yeah. Um, and, you know, her vocals, like at the time when they first came out, a lot of people said she sounds kind of alien or something. Like it sounds otherworldly, like her mm-hmm. her delivery and her tone and everything like that. Oh, I did notice that on some tracks it was, because she's even a, a live version that I saw, I don't know what kind of vocal process or yeah. vocal chain she's going through in the computer or whatever they're using. Yeah. But it does kind of sound, um, you know, interesting and kind of produced. Yeah. And I think that's where that's where Andy comes in. Yeah. And he's kind of, you know, helping um, connect those dots because they're kind of coming from a dynamic, two different sides. Yeah. And that's yeah. what makes this, this band Lamb really cool. Yeah. Because he's coming from this production side you know, making sonic landscapes with beats and drums and in the box stuff. And then she's like, I, and she's gone on to release like solo records and it's mostly acoustic guitar, violins, bass, singer, songwriter, dry, clean, pretty vocals. Yeah. And so to put those two together, that's when you get lamb. Yeah. And, and, you know, listening to interviews and stuff, it even sounds like they were going back and forth a lot and even stepping on each other's toes almost quite a bit yeah um in order to get what they were trying to achieve yeah and i think they they achieved what they're they wanted to originally and they continue to to make new stuff and so i think they're really they kind of really 
bask in that dynamic of coming from two opposite sides and trying to get their ideas how they both want them individually into one idea that they want together yeah um and i mean you know with that with you know great uh power comes great responsibility oh, this is a superhero episode this, bringing it back to the superheroes <laughs> So like, see, even though we start out <laughs> randomly, we find a way for it to make sense somehow. Then that is a thing of beauty. Yeah. So don't mind if I do no, that little. That's great. I love how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but do you see what I mean? Like that makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah. I see these guys coming from two dynamic sides, and it's really cool to put those two together because mm-hmm. um, she's good and listen to her other albums. And I went through, I think one of her albums that was in like 2004 or 2006 or somewhere in that time period, and it's yeah. it, it's great. It's like good folk music. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful instrumentation. Um, and it's just not the same vibe as Lamb. It's not musically, but like, I mean, my thing about Lou Rhodes, the singer of Lamb, is her voice is un- undeniably, unmistakably hers. Mm-hmm. There's no one else that sounds like her. She's very unique. So, in a way, I feel like she could sing on anything and I would love it. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because I was a fan of Lamb and I heard her solo stuff when it first started coming out i actually uh, the first film i did out in seattle i put one of her tracks on okay on, nice. the, on the film and um and that was from her solo album and uh yeah i just for me like i mean i i appreciate what she's doing solo wise as well it's like it's not the same musically mm-hmm. so i can understand why some people uh like lamb fans wouldn't be into that kind of thing but for me sure. like her vocals like she's just an amazing vocalist and she puts so much emotion into it and just right her yeah. tone and the way she sounds for me is just like oh you know it's really good no totally so, she takes yeah. it to the next level yeah. and it, it like you said it's emotionally packed yeah and it's it's intimate yeah and you know she has that capability and it's really cool to see what she's doing with her you know kind of acoustic folky singer songwriter yeah. um you know uh career yeah. as a separate thing and when it's put together with these much more intricate complex beats and sonic landscapes yeah it's such a cool duality to feel and to experience yeah and i think that's where a lot of the energy is coming from when people listen to lamb yeah yeah and like i i just discovered this for this research this week so i i, I knew nothing coming into this mm-hmm. and then i watched some of their stuff when they're doing it live and in this one video they had a bass player like you know doing bass obviously and then Andy was doing production, mm. whatever he's doing, pressing buttons or, or triggering samples or this or that. And then he had another hand on a, a keyboard. Yeah. So there is some kind of live stuff going on. And then she's just purely concentrated on vocals, just bringing in that emotion. And yeah, her voice is really good. I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll mention this straight up then. Like, uh, um, I've been asked before, uh, when, you know, in conversations where people are like, what are the, what is the best live performance you've ever seen kind mm. of thing? And uh, I back in that time, when I was asked that question, which is not too long ago, a few years ago, I said Lamb, because um, I saw them play at the Brixton Academy in London, early 2000s, probably, I don't, I don't even know, remember when. I was reminded by my friend, basically, uh, on the, the DJ Shadow episode, he commented mm-hmm. on my Instagram post, and he reminded me it was 2002 oh, nice. is when I saw DJ Shadow. So that was a long time ago. So I feel like it was 2003 or 2004 I saw Lamb. It was, uh, Brixton Cam is like a really big venue. Um, 
it's kind of like the show box in the market here, but like okay. twice the size kind of thing. Okay, nice. Or maybe like a Paramount Theater, that type of size. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was the best show I've ever been to because it, it was crazy. It was like the music obviously was great and their performance was wonderful, but also the people in the audience and the people that were there to be it were like the, it was like the nicest audience I've ever been a part of ever which is crazy. I don't know why. It, the funny, the first thing was, was like this girl was like running across me and asking me if I wanted any pills or anything like that. So, <laughs> you know, you might not think that's like the thing, but. Uh, I can't imagine the, the, the crowd this <laughs> band attracts from. Yeah, but they all turned out to be cool. And then uh, afterwards, uh, I found, I went I went to the show of a friend of mine, Simon, and uh, who, another superhero connection he was an extra in the batman uh, movies mm. with christian bale so there you go those are the good ones yeah <laughs> christian bale's my batman yeah yeah my generation he couldn't talk about anything about it because it was super lockdown he, secret he shit but, signed an nda yeah but uh anyway i went to the show with him and and, uh, and then after the show we went to this bar in bricks and we were just hanging out with a bunch of australian people that were at the show and cool. had a cool time with them and yeah, just everyone just seems super nice. Like it was just a good vibe emanating from the stage, and it just like yeah. Mm -hmm. So best show I've probably yeah that I've ever been to yeah. so far. I bet that was great. Yeah, because it was like a full rounded thing, you know. Like sometimes when you think about the best show, it's like a, an artist or a band or the performance kind of thing. But for this, it was like it was that, and then it was like the environment and the audience and everything like mm -hmm. that. Which is crazy, yeah. I don't even know. I didn't know, understand where that came from. Maybe I was just in a vibe, you know. Maybe it just happened that way. I yeah. Don't know, but anyway, so well, I mean, about their live stuff. That's yeah. one of the things that that Lamb is able to create. Yeah. You know, which is hard to describe. Yeah. And you know, bringing people together in ways you would never expect and stuff like that. So if a musical artist can do that, you know, they're doing real things in the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, uh, b besides making the music you know bringing so, people yeah, together yeah. making connections you didn't think you would have yeah and that's pretty cool so i don't know if that gives a good overview for people maybe like uh but we mm -hmm. can um so they've you know they've had how many albums out one two three four five six seven albums out over their career from 96 to 2019 with a break in the middle around 2004 mm -hmm. um uh, and yeah, like we said, I, Andy Barlow is on production, songwriting, keyboards, programming, percussion, bass, turntables sometimes, and then Lou Rhodes on vocals, and she also does some guitar, bass, songwriting, and a little bit of programming. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, and yeah, like we said, drum and bass, trip hop, jazz, electronic, jazz, dub, dub, yeah. And um, and so like, let's rewind back to 1994. Let's go back. <clears throat> when they first met. Nice. And uh, so what happened was that um, Andy was making music and he was an engineer in a studio somewhere in Manchester, I think, mm -hmm. north, north of England. And Lou was from Manchester as well. And at that time, she had started writing songs by herself and like just vocals mostly, I think. And she was also, she said, listening to a lot of pirate radio stations in Manchester mm -hmm. and Listening. Which we were kind of talking about on a previous yeah. episode last week. Definitely, yeah. And where you don't have the real rights to 
be broadcasting music, but you find a loophole and you can send yeah. it out. Well, not even that. They didn't even have the license to broadcast the station in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like they just illegally went on the on the dials and broadcasted their oh, stuff. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> Which is actually yeah, a big big thing over there in the UK, mm-hmm. um, constantly. And and yeah, and she said she was listening at that time. That's where a lot of like the underground music was coming up out of the pirate radio stations, and mm-hmm. she was starting to listen them to the breakbeat and the trip-hop stuff that was kind of newly forming around that time. I mean, other artists you can think of around that time was like early Massive Attack. Um, this is like even kind of Portishead area, but around sure, there, yeah. you know, a lot of drum and bass. Drum and bass was really becoming a big thing at that time over there. And so she was listening to that, but also she coming from like that folky singer-songwriter perspective. And she was really interested in exploring how she could mix her approach with the stuff that she was listening on the radio kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So she was definitely into that sort of electronic culture Mm -hmm. and music she was hearing sort of thing. And so she basically talked to a few people and she uh, had a DJ friend of hers and she was talking about this with, and he said, uh, oh, you know, you should talk to Andy, who was a friend of his. And mm-hmm. she said, he's kind of a quirky guy, but you might get along with him or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so she got his number. She called him up. Meanwhile, he was working at the studio and it wasn't working out. And they fired him like the day that he got the phone call from That Lou. same day that she reached that out same, to him. That same day. Yeah. She didn't know that. But yeah, that was what was happening in his life. And he said he was literally clearing out his stuff from the studio and he got this call from her. And, uh, you know, and she said, she was basically looking for a producer to work with, someone to work with Mm -hmm. that would kind of like, she'd had some experiences working with other producers, but they were more in like trying to push her more into like a traditional song structure type thing. And she was Mm -hmm. wanting to explore more of this drum and bassy breakbeat type stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And so she called him and it's kind of crazy. Like, so here's the thing, because they're not a couple, right? And I know like sometimes we talk about, we've talked about other artists where it's just a male and female duo kind of thing. Are they a couple? Are they not? So basically like Andy said on the phone was like, well, are you pretty to her? Yeah. On the phone. I, I saw that and I was, kind of a weird thing to say to somebody who haven't met kind of yeah it's kind of a dick thing. yeah a little say. bit for sure and uh, you know <laughs> and and she said in response to that well we have to meet me and find out kind of thing mm. so they ended up um meeting at a bar in in manchester and kind of an area that she said was kind of like an arty music area sort of thing mm-hmm. and um and, and they went from there and yeah and andy andy's still been a bit of a dick because he made another comment somewhere else where at some point he said he kind of like thought she was really hot and so he wanted to be in a band for her kind of thing to see if they could get it on, but they never did. And he said, thank God. So, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I don't want to like, he, these, this information's out there. I just want to put it out there. Yeah. You're not, not, you're not like, making a judgment call on this yeah, or that. Yeah, just yeah. these are the facts, people. That's is what that, we're yeah. trying to bring to the table. So, but anyway, like all of that aside, they did. They went to another city in the north of England called Leeds, which is by basically like an hour away from Manchester. Okay, and uh, they booked a studio for like a week, and they just see saw what they could do together creatively. Given the fact that you know she, that's where she's coming from. 
writing songs. Singer, songwriter, acoustic yeah, but, kind of but vibe. But to improv- in- integrate in an mm-hmm. electronic way and then him coming from a completely like rule-breaking, like that's kind of why he got sacked from his studio because he wasn't doing good popular things. Yeah, he was trying new things, wanted yeah. to try new things, wanted yeah. to break the rules. Yeah. And she was trying to break the rules as well. Yeah. And she was kind of starting... Yeah, from from nothing, not a musical career, right? She didn't really have anything. No, I think she know. was a photographer. I think was okay. what she was doing right um, at that time. But yeah. she was very much just trying to get in, get into it, which is why she contacted her friend. Yeah, met with Andy. Yeah, he was a rule breaker. Yeah. So those things were lining up for both of them. Yeah, yeah. So they were both kind of at that, even though coming from different this kind of duality from different sides. Yeah, head absolutely. on. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like a theme throughout the rest of the relationship, which is weird how you said that, like. Yeah, it seems like there would be that energy because they're they're both um, they're very good looking. Both they're handsome people. He's he's very handsome man. I would say. I I, I tried looking into it. I didn't look too deep. I was just going off what they were saying because it seemed like you know I was watching an interview and they're sitting pretty close together. Oh yeah. So they I mean they do have a relationship. I think they ended up saying it's closer to a brother or sister relationship. I think that's what it became for them. Yeah, because they. Like, I think there's a t- but, ten year ten year age gap between them. She okay. being ten years older than him. Okay. Um, and yeah, saying basically it, it kind of uh, like yeah, but no, that's <laughs> fair. Of, but that, to that be, sort of d- dynamic developed between them, right? That's no, that's fair. And yeah. there's that energy going on. Yeah. You know, music is pretty sexy. I mean, yeah, it's an emotional thing. Yeah, totally. Music and. Yeah. yeah and one way or another if you're making music with somebody you have some kind of relationship with them whether it's you know physical or metaphysical mm-hmm. uh, spiritual or i can't think of any other ones but oh, emotion what would you say emotional yeah, uh, metaphysical metaphysical yeah i don't know again it's not a vo- vocabulary podcast but it low-key is we all know that's the main reason Low we're key, coming back here. this is a geography podcast, a vocabulary <laughs> yeah. podcast. Music and, is at the bottom. And also a dry cleaning podcast. Mostly how to get your textiles done in a dry way for a cheap price. What are, you, what are we doing here? <laughs> we should uh, start that. We should do a little infomercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should. Um, or TikTok. Well, hey, how about a little segue? Let's, um, let's get into something else. What are these guys into? What did they make? What are you thinking? Well, music-wise... Um, because they spent two weeks in a studio together and, and they're just trying to explore what they could create together. Mm-hmm. And they said the first track they wrote was God Bless. It's not mm-hmm. on streaming platforms, but I found it on YouTube and I thought it might be interesting to kind of hear their very first song that they wrote together. Oh, that's very cool. And see what that sounds like. I haven't heard this before, I don't think. So maybe none of us have. I certainly yeah. have not. I'm excited to hear it. We'll see if this sets the scene nice. for what's here to come. good first track for yeah. a collaboration between anyone i would say yeah it's very dynamic very cool i love that um 
like stand-up bass like yeah. a double bass just, double bass yeah just like you know that fretless sound kind of like it's never at just one note it yeah. sounds like it's constantly yeah yeah it's kind of funky so fun it's really cool what a great track which is interesting they used a lot of that in uh early drum and bass stuff like early drum and bass was just like hardcore electronica sort of stuff uh-huh but then when it sort of veered more into jazzy stuff you started hearing way more double bass that, okay like, and the jazz influences coming through in drum and bass very cool i didn't sort of i don't know that yeah yeah i've never been too into drum and bass stuff yeah, yeah. or maybe i just haven't got into it yet it was not i don't think it's really been big in america to be honest with mm-hmm. you it was massive in england like when i was growing up but mm-hmm. i don't know if it really was a big thing over here like i think over here electronic music wise like house music or detroit house was like more of a thing right i okay. think like and drum and bass still even to this day i think it's more of like an underground thing in america mm-hmm. but um that's how it feels from my perspective yeah i'm no authority on this situation though yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm neither. But I'm just just from uh, observations and yeah, more and so like that, yeah. more so than I have, especially since you've lived on both continents. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, and I don't know. Like, there's a lot of strings in that track as well. I don't know if they were there originally when they did wrote the track and that was a little it. after production. Yeah, it might have been, in, yeah, it might have been an after production sort of thing, but, which is fine. Yeah, but so. cool. I'm super stoked that you brought up that track. That's super great. I yeah, n- I never would have listened. I to hadn't it. heard that before, actually. So, where did you find yeah. it? Um, I had to go on YouTube and find that because I couldn't find it on Spotify. Okay, and they did talk about it in an interview as being their first track that they wrote. So mm-hmm. I, I had to do some diving to find what what was that about? What's going some on there? Diligent research, yeah, yeah, Jay. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, so where do they go from here? So that they had their first single that was never released, or was it released somewhere? Uh, yeah, so it wasn't released. Like they did this week in a studio in Leeds, and they did that track, and then I think they thought it was going good, and uh, Andy did have like his own sort of home studio production set up, which is very minimal back in those days. It was like and he was in, he's in Brighton, right? Is that what that's now, studio? yeah, but I think in Manchester is where they were based okay. at, at that point. And um, so I think they wrote two more tracks. And basically they got a six-album record deal with, um, I think it was called Mercury uh, Records was the label. And they signed them to a six-album deal based on those first three tracks. That they, yeah, so that th- doesn't that sound a little insane? Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, he had some yeah. connections with like the recording studio he was working at before. So yeah, he, he must know some people. Not that it was just because he knew people. Like that was obviously a great track. Well, we talked about uh, dry cleaning in our last episode and they got signed at one of their earlier shows. Right, so yeah. That's, and that's even crazier to me because that happened in like 2019. Mm-hmm. It's more believable for me that that type of thing would happen back in the day when the music industry was a little bit more reliant on A&R scouts going out and finding artists. Yeah. Sounds like obviously with the dry cleaning case, they're still out there. A&R people are still going to shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because now like, you know, it's all about digital and like putting out stuff. Like part of me thinks like now is all about like, um, building your online fan base mm-hmm. you know like if an anr person can see that oh you have hundred thousand fans and all these social platforms and you're getting all of these streams then we'll sign you sort of thing yeah um, you have to build this social proof yeah kind of but, before anybody takes you seriously yeah but maybe the other part of that is still can you do it live mm-hmm. do you can you perform 
because maybe that is still a thing for the major labels. It's I think like, it is. You know, views and streams and fans are fine, but can can you present it? Yeah, like you know, as well. So yeah, I think yeah. that's still important and, and yeah. very viable, and bands yeah. should be able to perform their music because, I mean, that's one of the only ways bands are making music these days is from playing shows and selling their merch at shows. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to maybe back in the past, just getting a bunch of money to do a big tour. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you know, money's kind of coming from a different place. The money flow, the cash flow. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Now it's it's merch and gigs and sync licensing, like mm-hmm. getting your movie license for film and TV. Like those, that's where the money's coming from for artists, right? Especially with the major labels and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but so with them back then, yeah, it sounds crazy to get signed to a big deal like that. But you know, we're talking like '95, '96. I mean, what a commitment! Yeah. I mean, I guess they were yeah. pretty gung ho about it. They were like, "Yeah, I just met you. We made three good <laughs> tracks. We kind of yeah. have this romantic tension. I don't know. It's kind of weird, <laughs> but let's sign a six album deal. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a that that's a lot of work planned ahead yeah, yeah, in yeah. your life. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I've known artists that have got signed to deals like that, but then the label it happens where the label's like, "No, we're not going to put out anything." Mm. And then they're trapped and they can't release anything at all because they've signed this deal and the label's not putting out any of their music. Right. And they like they either have to they either have to do six shitty albums mm-hmm. to get out of the contract or they have or the label has to actually release them. But until that happens, they can't do anything. Yeah. I've I've known people that have been in that situation and it's been shitty. And uh, you know, they've come out of it somehow on the other side, not a little bit scathed. I won't say they came out of it unscathed. They came out of it scathed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, know, sure. Yeah. I mean, kind of from the beginning of the relationship, their their musical relationship and their kind of interpersonal relationship, mm-hmm. um, you know, was kind of butting heads a little bit, even though they kind of wanted yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They're going after the same thing, and that's what's kind of intriguing about this band Lamb for me, is because they're coming at the from different sides butting heads against each other in order to create something that they both like and they both love that's yeah different from you know bigger than any of the one thing that they can create by themselves yeah and from the beginning they were kind of butting heads yeah and kind of like there was a lot of friction between them creatively like yeah um you know like as far as lyrics like she's she kind of sees herself as the main lyricist yeah for sure that's kind of what she brings to the table her melody and her voice and her lyrics and you know, she kind of takes pride in that from based on what I can see in these interviews and everything. And then he would kind of be like, "Oh well, I kind of did some lyrics," <laughs> yeah. and she'd or be like, "Well, you had the that. idea, and then I made the lyrics." You know, so even in the interviews, you yeah. could still see they're <laughs> yeah. they're kind of like, mm, "Well, I don't know about that. I don't yeah, know about yeah. your side of the story." Yeah, but they kind of move along and kind of agree. And I feel like that's kind of a the general energy of their whole relationship is. It is, yeah. It's, it's kind of that push and pull. It's funny. It's like because they. They they create such good art together, and they're aware of that, and they're also aware that that happens out of their partnership. But to get there, they go through all of the stepping on each other's toes. You know, uh, I think Lou would storm out of the studio sometimes. Mm-hmm. She'd storm out. Of the each other would storm out of interviews. In yeah, even interviews and like stuff like public that. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I mean, they were they were young back then 20s i think even though there's a 10 year age gap between them i think they were still like 20 something 
I mean, yeah, if he was 20, she would have been 30. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, yeah, but it's like, and and they've also said about that as, um, uh, but they sort of pushed each other in ways that they didn't really know. Like, um, you know, for example, like if, if Andy's production methods veered too much into this kind of like trancey house, mm. like Lou would like say, no, let's not go there. Kind of pull of the reins, bring it back in, yeah, let's yeah. go back towards this direction. Yeah. Or like she'd said sometimes that um, she realizes that Andy needs to go through his process kind of thing. So he like might mm-hmm. be sitting there working on a sound, just like a texture or a sound or a part kind of thing. And she doesn't like it. And, and she can hear him in the other room. Yeah, and she'll just go to the other room and she'll like, I don't like this kind of thing. And he'll like spend like an hour or two on it and then it'll eventually get to the end of his process and then he'll be like, yeah, I don't like that. And, she, and she's like, yeah, no. It's not she's good. like, I, told, I, I was about <laughs> yeah. to say that, but I didn't say anything. But she gave him that leeway to like explore that. I mean, because that's kind of what you have to do, especially in, well, the other thing about them as well is they don't have a set process. Like they, they say that um, they just, kind of go into the studio together and he works on the music and she'll work on lyrics and voice she'll mm-hmm. even be in another room cooking and like hearing the track playing sort of thing and, and instead of staring at a blank sheet of paper she said she'll like actually just be like hearing what he's working on on the track musically mm-hmm. while she's doing something else cooking food for them whatever kind of thing and that and she kind of comes up with like some ideas as she's doing that as she's doing mm-hmm. something else kind of thing and then she'll go in and she also said she doesn't like doing too many takes of things. Like she, if it goes more than three takes of an idea or something, like she's right. done sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but they don't have a set process. It's very like, it's organic and, um, you know, it's sort of, you know. Uh, kind of chaotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they don't have a plan, Yeah. but they know that not having a plan is how they want to do it. Yeah. But well, I think they're editing each other. They're like creative directing each other. Like right in a way where you know um you know i think for him he said he was i think over the years he said he's gotten better at communicating um to singers like he said he even did yeah. uh, singing lessons so he could learn how to communicate to vocalists okay nice um, that's and he also said at another point with like lou that like you know instead of just saying something was bad or he didn't like it kind of thing he would be like um do you have any other ideas sort of thing you know, no, I saw uh, a couple yeah. of times he would say like very yeah. bluntly, like, yeah, yeah. like, no, that was shit. I don't like it. Exactly. It's yeah. not good. <laughs> Are we like directly? Bluntly. We know someone that does that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if we should put his name on blast. No. I don't think he would give a shit. Yeah. But, you know, um, <laughs> right. But everyone that's worked with our mutual friend has said the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. he can be too harsh on his criticism. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I've been in a studio with this one individual where he's literally told an artist to get the fuck out of the studio. And uh, it was a hot, it was a thing, but you know, it wasn't a thing after like a day after it was just, it was just kind of like, instead of being tactile and in a uh, critique and response, it's just like some people just need to just be in, you know, in, in person, yeah. get it off. The, it's not, I, I there's anything wrong with it, but you know, obviously it's a, you know, music's a hard thing. It's an emotional thing. You just got to mm-hmm. be, got a little, be a little bit tactile of how you go about these things. Yeah, but it's a I mean, it's hard. Thing. But it is hard if you're working on something and you're just like not feeling it, or it's just like, ugh, like this is. And it goes both ways because like, yeah, yeah. if you're one guy's feeling the energy to create something, whether it's this or that, 
and you're trying to work with other people, everyone has their own, everyone is the most important person in their world. Mm. And everyone wants to have their ideas, you know, fulfilled or mm-hmm. at least tried because mm-hmm. everyone wants to, you know, it's like an ego thing. And it, it's yeah. one of the most interesting things about talking about music in general is the, the relationships between the individuals working on this stuff. You can look up a, so many pop albums. There's multiple producers, yeah, multiple yeah. writers, multiple artists that go into just this one cool track that you hear on the radio. Yeah. And you, you, it's, it's called by this artist's name. Cool. But there's like 20 people involved. Eh? Exactly. And it's been like two years in the making, gone from different studios, New York to LA, working with different people. So there's like many people working on something that's a three minute long track. Yeah, yeah. It's just incredible how much emotions and how many, how many ideas are packed into these interactions between people. Because yeah. it's so like emotionally charged, like you said. And musicians are, they might be really good at what they're doing at their craft, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have good communication and interpersonal skills, which yeah. is a whole other ball game. Yeah. For to to learn. And it does sound which like Which is why the role of the producer, right? We were saying in the last episode can be important yeah, to be that sort of um mediator. Yeah, yeah. Like um I mean, yeah, what do you call him? A mediator in like a debate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like kind of moderator. Or mediator, yeah, like that's yeah. the word I was looking yeah, for, yeah. moderator. Yeah, yeah. Um exactly. And so sometimes you gotta moderate yourself. Yeah. In order to, you know, improve. And it does sound like in Lamb, um, Andy and Lou have you know, watching some of these later interviews, it sounds like they've worked through a lot of this and they've recognized it and they've recognized what, what they're doing personally and how that yeah. makes the other person feel. And I think most it sounds like with them most of that realization came from like having kids and just growing older and also spending time apart. Like yeah. all of those things has led them to realize you know the impact that they had on each other creatively so sort of mm-hmm. yeah is, just know. kind of living life yeah and experiencing it yeah and then seeing what how you interact gets you this or how you interact like that gets you that yeah so i mean yeah it's a process yeah, yeah i think they've accepted that and that's what we're all kind of accepting like there's no yes no binary stuff in life it's it's we're always in the now yeah i've been thinking about that a lot we there's no man child woman who's ever woken up in the future or in the past we always everyone who's ever been alive has always woken up and we're awake here in the now in the yeah. present and that's all we have well actually that's something that uh lou was uh, i was talking about in an interview she uh kind of relates more to like zen buddhist in, buddhist outlook kind of thing yeah i did say that she's a practicing buddhist basically yeah, yeah. she was yeah um and she said you know it's more like of a an outlook on life or an approach or a perspective. It's not really a religion. It's like, mm-hmm. just like, you know, identifying with the outlook of that. And one thing she said about that is she does believe that there were, we're all part of like one big mind. I can't remember the exact word she said about mm-hmm. it, but basically the concept of like, we, you know, we're all one, you know, we're all part of the same thing kind of thing. We're all kind of part of a, some people would call it God or whatever or universal yeah, mind. Grand or consciousness. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much I think about that too much. I do think we're all one though. I think we are all in this together and we need to work to eat with each other. Yeah. Like I I'm always kind of like um uh like if there's any like friction happening in any situation, I usually try to calm things down and try and chill people out and mm-hmm. like moderate because i don't 
mostly because it's partly it's kind of selfish because I don't like that energy around me. Yeah. Like, especially in a creative situation. If you're in a studio and people are arguing and like all kinds of shit, it's like, I like, I don't want that around me. So how do I diffuse this? Like, yeah, I can yeah, either yeah. walk away. I can just walk away from the situation completely, remove myself, you know, but then I kind of feel bad as well because then they're still, these people are still there. Cause you want to, you're still there part of the situation. Yeah, you don't yeah, want to yeah. just dismiss it and be like, I don't need to deal with that. I'm like, that would be, that would be more selfish than you saying, I'm going to try to calm this yeah, down. I provide just, a different perspective. I would feel kind of guilt in a way that I just left sort of thing. So I, I yeah. would more often than not try and just like, be like, all right, okay, you chill out and you go into this next room mm -hmm. and like, and then we'll talk. You know, and then we'll, I've done this before actually in different situations where I've yeah. separated people and gone to talk to them. You're very calm, cool, and collected. <laughs> well, I hope so. But I just, it's mostly because I don't like bad vibes and I don't like bad energy. I don't like negativity. Yeah. I like, I mean, yeah, I understand not everyone can be happy and cool and whatever all the time. But, you know, why not? <laughs> but we can try. Yeah, why not? And why sometimes not? people don't even try. Yeah. Is kind of the problem sometimes. Well, we can all get heated in our own perspectives of things or caught up in our own ego or you know like you know especially with creative things sort of thing it's like well mm -hmm. right, i'm in, i'm totally in love with this drum part and this person is trying to separate me from this drum part that yeah, I love, yeah and then i'm gonna be angry at that you know it's like yeah i think all this to say is i think that's kind of what's happened between lou and andy in the studio mm -hmm. creating stuff is those types of dynamics those types of things but then there's no one else around they're just it's just an echo chamber back and forth. <laughs> yeah, but somehow me. they still man they forge through it and get through it. And I think you know, all this to say is that I think like they 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 managed it themselves for like the first few albums, but then it that type of thing did wear down them on them after a while, sort of thing. Um, yeah, and we haven't really got. And to we a, haven't really got. Yeah, so we can get more context or whatever <laughs> sort of thing, yeah. no but yeah that leads us into you know a nice kind of segue about um furthering their career so they I mean they, they released that first lp self-titled lamb 1996 yeah 1999 was fear of fours which yeah. you said was one of your favorites or something was on there was a favorite yeah i want to play track from that in a little bit actually yeah but yeah okay first that was the my first hearing of them so then, yeah, so yeah. let's let's get a little jam on that. And as a precursor foreshadow, um, yeah. 2004, they released The Darkness and Wonder. And after that, was there a little hiatus? Um, yeah, after Darkness, Between Darkness and Wonder. Right after 2004, they kind of went on a little yeah. break, right? Yeah, yeah. And we'll see what's up with that yeah. after this track. This is called Little Things from Fear of Fours. Cool. There's so many things that we miss in our everyday lives We're so busy hustling, bustling, chasing faraway dreams We forget the so busy hustling, bustling, chasing faraway dreams We forget the little things Like blue skies, green eyes, and a baby's parade Like rainbows, fresh snow, and the smell of 
get to live. Yeah, that is from Fear of Fours, that album I really got into from 99. I mean, it's energetic. It's so great. Yeah, drum and bassy. I'm, I'm, I'm not straight up. I want to just be like straight up with the honest with you, Jade, and with everybody. Like, I don't really, I'm not coming from, I've said it before, I'm not coming from a electronic music place or a, especially kind of a drum and bass. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's really interesting to actually get into these tracks and listen to them. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's a cool experience. That's, that's yeah. all I have to say. Just my little well, disclaimer you, right there. You're not yeah. going to like the next track I want to play. Oh, <laughs> uh, wh- wh- why is that? Because it's even it's it's a guest appearance from Lou Rhodes, uh, on a uh, a track from a guy a guy called Gerald. He's literally called a guy called Gerald, and his name is Gerald. Yeah, called and, himself uh, a guy called Gerald. Yeah, he's an OG German based guy out of the UK. Um, he did a good. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of the Lot, which is a New York uh, radio station Mm-mm. from Brooklyn. They uh, are an online radio station as well, like Signal. They broadcast out of a shipping container in Brooklyn, and they call it The Lot. And they've had a lot of cool people come through and DJ and do guest sets, and a guy called Gerald came through and did a set Where, with them. Where's the shipping yard? It, or it's in a, the shipping It's in Brooklyn case? Now. Yeah, it's a, I, you know, a shipping, shipping in, container. Shipping container in somebody's yeah. apartment, or what are you talking about? On a, no, it's on a piece of land. Like he... Uh, this guy that started the radio station, he uh, w- he used to walk past it a lot, like, and he saw one day that it was for rent, for lease, and he <laughs> so was like, "I'm, it was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lease it." And they started a radio station, and uh, they're doing it, and it's just like on this kind of like corner piece of like land, and they put a shipping container there. They open up a little coffee shop, and hmm. uh, people DJ and do radio shows out of the shipping container. I think that's super cool. Yeah, it's cool. I want to go there. Uh, uh, I last time I was in New York, I didn't get to Brooklyn, but I want to go to Brooklyn and I want to go ch- hang out at this place. For I bit. got a buddy in Brooklyn. Let's go. There you go. We got to do that. And yeah, so a guy called Gerald did a set there, but way back in the day, and he doesn't have half of his catalog released on streaming platforms right now, mm. which is a travesty in itself. I don't know why, but he does have a band camp, and he did a collaboration with Lou Rhodes on this track called Humanity. And uh, it is drum and bass, but it's Lou I'm, Rhodes atmospheric. I want to get into it. Yeah, let's check it out. So I, I kind of want to play this because also, like, uh, for me, I was really into Lamb's uh, second album. And that was, for me, the first album. <laughs> True. <laughs> when I was growing up listening to that. Right. And then I heard this, uh, and this album is really good as well. It's called Essence from a guy called Gerald. And uh, yeah, she's on a track of that. So so, so Lou's sp- singing on this? Yeah, she's singing on it. And Andy's not on this at all? No. Okay, cool. Just to set the stage. Just to set the stage. This is Lou's guest appearance with a guy called Gerald. Cool. Thank you. 
got that double bass mm. happening again. Yeah. Different artists. So yeah, you can see yeah. the trend. Yeah, yeah. So, so pretty cool. I just wanted to sneak that in there because that was uh because you know no, it's another track that sort of made me fall even more in love with Blue Rose's voice. Yeah, so, yeah, one hundred percent. I'm yeah. I'm I'm getting there too. Yeah. It's nice to have a little bit more context. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah. I'm not sure where that was from, but I think that was around the time uh early two thousands that track came out. So yeah. Maybe before that last before their last track, before they went on hiatus? Um, no, probably, yeah, before they went on hiatus, yeah. It wasn't until 2004 they went on hiatus. So before they did that, they did Fear of Falls, which is 99, and What Sound in 2001, and then Between Darkness and Wonder in 2003. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what what is What Sound? Because that one's not on Spotify, like I, I found. It's uh, just kind of missing there, so is it released somewhere else? Good question. I just had it in my list, so okay, I could be wrong about. Yeah, because I <laughs> I came up on it, and one of their biggest songs is Gabriel, yeah, which is off of that uh, that album, for whatever reason. And it's not on streaming. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. interesting. Yeah, um, it is on their compilation, the which is of, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that it came back, and that was released in two thousand four. Yeah, so they had, so it, they basically had like two big songs that really got them somewhere, and that was Gabriel. And Gorecki, mm -hmm. Gorecki was from their first album, and um, yeah, and Gabriel was on their third album. And uh, Gabriel, I think, really got played a lot, like in movies and soundtracks mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, got some. Yeah, it's kind of like Cinematic Orchestra, who we talked about a few episodes ago, mm -hmm. where they had their big track that got used a lot. And, right. Uh, and, and yeah. yeah, some of these guys, Lamb's stuff is is very cinematic. Yeah, yeah, I would thematic. Say so. Yeah, yeah, theatrical. You could even say. Yeah. Uh, mixed with these cool, you know, fast drum and bass beats in the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, they just bring this really cool duality here: emotional, kind of slow, yeah. pandering, beautiful melodies in her vocals. Yeah. And then there's some like crazy stuff happening in the backbeat. Yeah, yeah. You know, like really fast drums interesting samples and beats yeah, yeah so again they just do this that duality of where their their energy is at yeah it's really cool and then personally i think lou had her first kid when they did the second album um and she went on tour with her baby <laughs> really yeah and uh saying Can't imagine was, saying it's kind of a weird time because like you know those guys were partying it up and she was trying to find a place on the bus that didn't have people partying and cigarette butts everywhere and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, mm. <laughs> that was a challenging uh, thing for her. I can't even imagine that. That was crazy. But oh. she, I think she became a single mother. I think she, her father, baby father was not around. Yeah. So who was this guy? Where was he? Because she's now married, right? Yeah. I think was she's it, married again now. Was it yeah, that gentleman? No, I think it was a different guy. Some, yeah. some other some roadie, some groupie. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, actually, I think um, I'm just kidding. It was I don't know. Uh, a guy was in a, another band. Actually, that I don't have the name in front of me yeah, right that's now. That's what but, you do when you're a yeah. female vocalist on tour. You know, yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so yeah, that was sort of interesting. So that you know, kind of happened to her pretty early on in their career, and then. You know, they did form a live band and they went on tour. And like I say, I saw them play live in London during that period. 
um, mm-hmm. early 2000 sort of thing. And and so by the time 2003 rolled around and they did their album Between Darkness and Wonder, which is their fourth album, they she said that they started to incorporate a little bit more of the live band sound, like some of the people that were on the road with them, they started to incorporate more in the studio. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, it is cool. But also she said it felt like it diluted what Lamb was about in the first place sort of thing, mm-hmm. like musically, and it was sort of veering away more from what the original intent was. And I think also it was in that time where she was try- wanting to explore more of that folky side of her, singer-songwriter side of her. Yeah. And she said she tried to sort of incorporate some of that stuff on the album, but it wasn't really working. And then the live instrument, live band element was sort of like happening. And she said they realized at that point that it was probably time, like that they needed to sort of take some time out and then she needed to actually explore those musical ideas separately from Lamb and not part of Lamb. Yeah. Just um, felt like she was getting a little convoluted with the ideas and what the direction was. Yeah, yeah. So that was the ultimate demise or, you know, yeah, reason for the it. break. Part of it, yeah. The other part of it as well, she said there was some label interference starting to happen at that point as well, where they wanted them to do tracks that were more like Dido. And, mm-hmm. You know Dido? Dido? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I've heard that, but I can't think of what it is. She, uh, Eminem sampled her track for his album on the track stan and that vocal melody in the track stan i can't i can't pull it out off the top of my uh, head okay. i don't know if you can oh well we, we, might, little, have, we might have to do a little, little j vocal snippet of it i i can't i can yeah. hear it in my head but no I pull up a little snippet real quick because that's yeah. that's always good to have a little context but this yeah. seems to be one of their um common common themes that they're both trying to reach these you know, musical goals kind yeah. of individually while they're using each other's, um, you know, opposite. Like she's like, I'm a singer songwriter and I want some beats behind me. So I need Andy. Yeah. And Andy's like, I got some sick beats, but I need some beautiful vocals. Yeah. So they're both going for this thing. But like I said, they were butting heads this whole time. And it was kind of, that's kind of what, where this energy is coming from in a good way, in a positive way. Yeah. whether they realized it or not and then yeah. that in conjunction with i think it was a common theme also their label was kind of yeah consistently giving them pressure to do more radio friendly kind of poppier things that were going to you know sell more as far as marketing and stuff goes yeah and i think they always kind of struggled with that a little bit yeah um cuz again they were both people who wanted to kind of break the rules and see what they can do cuz they're the real thing is just trying to explore music, not necessarily have an end goal. Yeah. You know, they're just exploring who they are and, and what they're about and where they're going through these experiences and these processes. Yeah. yeah. So did you, was it, do we have a sample we can play? Yeah. I'm not going to play the Eminem track, but I'm going to play what he sampled. Perfect. From, from Dido. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me uh, re recalibrate here. Uh, say something in, inspiring mm. and entertaining. <laughs> Um, you know, you guys, we got to wake up every day and visualize what we want. We got to manifest it in our lives. Say your daily affirmations. Tell yourself how much you love yourself. Tell yourself what your goals are. That's all I got. And this track is called Thank You. So that was, thank you, Jesse. You're welcome. You're not going to get it until you hear the vocal lyric. 
or a star angle. You must recognize this. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we gotta leave it until we hear the first power okay. pass of the vocals, yeah. at least. I forgot Eminem sampled this. Mm -hmm. This is the track I associate with, though. I just know this as a stand standalone. Yeah. It's great. And then thunder, and then Eminem comes in. <laughs> no, yeah, but that's a, that's like a quintessential '90s throwback for me. That's like yeah, exactly. When I remember early, you know, getting into music, first things that I've heard that I can you know relate to. Like that's you know, I'm a '90s baby, and that's that's one of those tracks that's like way in there. That's you know, really. I mean, yeah, the Eminem one or the Dido no, the, one, the Dido, <laughs> the Dido, yeah, that like because the Eminem one's dark. So, yeah, know. yeah, no. Which I love yeah, Eminem yeah. for how yeah. dark and poignant and uh, I mean, it's know, great visual. track. I will say the Eminem track is great, and it, it, I conjured up a lot of visuals for me when I first heard it. Mm -hmm. I, I first like heard the album when it came out, and uh, you know, I know people like to hate on Eminem, and that's just because he's mainstream or whatever. But like, or because he's good. Yeah. So like that, <laughs> that track is uh, you know it was good. It was about his uh, a, a crazy fan or something like that. Or mm -hmm. I think I don't know if it was real. I think it was like you know an imaginary story. I don't know. Sure. Right, right into us TikTok. I mean, and, yeah, you uh, let us know. We're trying to. We're here to learn. Yeah. And uh, we're we're on a, our personal growth journeys of our journeys of knowledge of music and knowledge of life. So you know that's mm -hmm. all we're here for, just to learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. we're just trying to show everybody what we know. The little the little few factoids we know about these bands. Exactly, yeah. You guys know way more than us, so let us know. Um, but yeah, Dido, cool. Yeah, I'm so, glad she got brought up. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, so Lou was like, you know, the label want, wanted them to be a little bit more radio friendly or something like that. And that but kind com of thing. And you like, compared you know, Lamb to Dido, and that Dido track sounds very safe. Very safe, yeah. Very chill. And it's a great track, obviously. I mean, it's got that nice beat in there, like mm -hmm. sort of the 90s break beat, whatever. I mean, it has a nice melody. Yeah, but yeah, but Lamb's not about like like hooky melodies like that. Like I don't even know why they would have even even suggested that to them because it's like not. That's not what they yeah, were ever that's not about. What they were ever, ever about, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like, they could have got there if they decided to, but it's not really what they were about. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's what it's yeah. all about, and that's awesome that they have this integrity yeah. for their for themselves and for their art that they're making. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing that stands out for me about Lamb. That that perseverance of integrity, yeah, that's super cool. Because some, you know, well, integrity to the point where they signed a six-album deal, which is kind of safe, right? And they made it to four albums, and they decided to call it quits. Yeah. So, what does that mean as far as their their contract goes? They said so it ended. Yeah. So their contract yeah. was ended, and it was voided. Like they didn't yeah. have to do those two other albums. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah. No, I mean they, they got out happened. of it somehow without any yeah. major legal backlash. Yeah, I don't know um, what happened in the behind the scenes of that, but you know uh, they were able to get out of that deal and go their separate ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, Lou released her first solo album in that time and was able to explore that side of her stuff. Um, Andy went traveling around the world. 
Mm-hmm. Didn't really do anything. It's like I'm out of here. Yeah, it's like I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that girl. Yeah, and um, you know, so it was kind of like they didn't really talk to each other that much during that period from 2003 to 2009. Um, yeah, it seemed like there was a real break. Like yeah. in, even in their their personal relationship, they were like, "I need a break from you, not just from the music." Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. like clean break. Yeah. Don't communicate. Yeah. Not that it was super harsh like that. Yeah. I'm sure they talked about it and it was cordial. Yeah, yeah. Um, from the vibes I'm getting, but it was still like a mutual. It's the classic burnout thing that we've talked about on different episodes mm-hmm. with different artists. It's like you just get to a certain point of pushing so hard and working so hard that you know something's got to give mm-hmm. yeah and you know, one one thing i heard lou Rhodes said was that like you know and every, so many musicians experience it when you just kind of listen to something over and over you're trying to get the mix better the production you're working on this track over and over listen to it a thousand times at some point you kind of start to not be able to hear it yeah and i think that was related to what she was saying about how she doesn't like to do more than three takes yeah same yeah exactly. and not spend too much time on a song yeah because she was saying the more time you spend on a song the more you start to not hear it anymore mm-hmm. and, and yeah. that they they took in in stride like they they took that as a way to create their stuff like just they they they, they make a point to want they want it to be raw yeah they want the production to feel raw the ideas and the art to be raw yeah and so i have some emotion to it or be yeah have yeah have some essence to it yeah so inherently it's a human thing like you're the most human you can be you're not perfect neither am i nor is nobody and that's what they're trying to put out yeah that's what they're interested in that's what they're going for yeah so i totally see where they're at sometimes when you're working on a track you got to take a break from it yeah and this that's like a little microcosm about what there was going what they were both going through as individuals in their musical yeah, yeah. you know duo band i guess are they considered a band would you say it's a band um because i i wouldn't call them a band if you're electronic you're not a band you're well they have two sides to them lamb they have their live touring which is a band yeah and then they have their studio albums and their compositions watch which i would kind of call a project or a collaboration i wouldn't call it a band like yeah, um, just interesting the the words yeah. that are I guess used it to doesn't matter really what you call it. But Not like, that it matters at all. But I guess I think when I think of bands, I think of like you know more than three people or more. Sure. Know, yeah. Contributing different things and you know and on a, uh, you know with Lamb like you know Lou didn't really do anything on the music side. I think she's done a few things like in the studio, but it's mostly Andy, totally like producer, and then she's like focusing more on the vocals than anything else mm-hmm. sort of thing not that any but, of that matters no, yeah. just words just words you know vernacular uh, what do you call it yeah semantics nomenclature <laughs> nomenclature <laughs> it's your favorite word to say yeah, yeah, yeah it, is. Agree. <laughs> it is nomenclature i throw it in every episode but so anyway they, they go on a break cool great yeah and then so uh 2009 happened and then they i think they because they did do really well live and they kept getting requests to do shows and um and then so 2009 rolled around and they were and they were just like sure okay yeah let's let's do some shows Mm -hmm. so they committed to like six six or seven shows they got the the band members the live band members again together they rehearsed and it quickly blossomed from uh six 
or seven shows into 30 something and yeah. ended up traveling to like australia and like singapore and stuff like that and mm-hmm. they just must have been loving it then and she said lou said at that time she was working on her second album i think and um and so basically after they finished touring that lamb stuff in 2009 she went straight on tour with her solo stuff but she said it was very different it was like more intimate acoustic venues versus like the big stages that lamb does you know if she was going she had a a band behind her or was it i don't know i think i don't i'm not sure if she even plays she might have played guitar herself Mm -hmm. on on those shows like it might just been true solo sort of stuff just off the cuff question yeah i don't know we're not talking about her solo career no (laughs) <laughs> but so yeah they yeah they played the the trivoli in brisbane and it, it was their 32nd show right yeah after a, a tour that was supposed to be seven shows mm-hmm. and uh, i think yeah i mean andy said it was their last gig ever mm-hmm. um but who knows quote unquote yeah yeah so yeah i don't know it's i, I feel like they they both had the energy they, they were like yeah. that was kind of cool it was nice to be back. Yeah. That went well. Yeah. There's no way you would go on tour with with that same energy of I don't want to do this anymore. Like obviously they kind of yeah. made amends or the break worked. Well, they, and they, yeah. they got the energy back. The break differently it worked. Yeah. I think she like Lou said also as well as like when they were younger they had more energy or appetite to like make it like musically or as a career yeah. sort of thing. And that kind of went away over the years progressed and the tours happened and she had a kid and and like the like was the third or fourth album the fourth album wasn't really happening in the way even though they completed it it wasn't like what they really what she really wanted kind of thing and um and and yeah and i think that break of like five or something years and mm-hmm. then and then instead of going into the studio after that break going and playing live and sort of re-performing the older songs from the previous albums probably gave them like that energy back to like kind of yeah just do things but on andy's side it doesn't seem like he ever really lost i i hear a lot of her perspective about all of this but it seems like on his side like he was always cool with it and he just wanted to keep going Mm -hmm. but he didn't like i don't know like he's also like done other things he's produced for like u2 and, yeah uh, it was yeah, yeah that was that and, which is huge yeah yeah and um, yeah he worked on an album with them and it was a multi-producer album yeah so he was working with different producers and that was a that was a huge step for him yeah. i've never produced an album with like another producer he's he did five songs on songs uh of experience or songs for experience which is yeah, songs of experience song. i think it was yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah 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 and um yeah he said that was interesting he said because it was a completely way of different way of working he said that you two were more um kind of like they would he said they were more impulsive or whatever he said like if he wasn't capturing takes of like mm-hmm. whatever bono was doing or something like that, then it would be gone forever kind yeah of i think yeah bono's off the cuff like record yeah. this now or it's going to be gone forever yeah and he's like freewheeling thinking <laughs> exactly yeah so he said he was doing that and he also said that um you know he had to kind of let go of his own ideas of where he thought songs should go because the way they worked is they'd do like a hundred different versions of one song mm-hmm. and then it, and then they'd eventually come back to like how it sounded originally sort of thing yeah it's all there's different threads we can go yeah. here we can go here let's try this one first then we'll try that one yeah instead of just having one honed in goal which is yeah. more of the way lamb andy and yeah. lou kind yeah. of 
had an idea. Yeah, yeah. Coming from two different directions, trying to merge into one. Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, so like Bono is like, oh, I got this idea, I got that idea, let's do all of them. Yeah. And then I think the Edge, the guitarist, mm-hmm. I don't even know his real name. He, yeah, his real name is The Edge. Yeah, that's it. As far as I'm edge. concerned. <laughs> and and he, I thought what I was reading, he was a little bit more like kind of intellectually thinking about it. Like he would sit there and, hmm, mm-hmm. here's where I think it should go. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to the, as Bono, like, oh, let's try this, let's try that. Right, so, yeah. See, so, yeah, and, and they have a completely different dynamic in their band, yeah, the way they yeah, do right. things. So it's like, yeah. And I mean, U2's pretty big, you know, they're a pretty big band. I think if they just did more, they could make it. <laughs> they just need to put one more just album. Just like out. Oasis, like just one more album. They just need to put one can... more song on somebody's iPod without asking, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they'll do it. <laughs> I remember that. Everyone was just like, how do I delete this? Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think it was cool that they did that. They, it, they tried I, something new. I don't think it was cool that they did that, but uh, I mean, because it was so I, transparently, I don't it was so transparently just the marketing thing for Apple to sell yeah. iPods or phones or whatever it was. Which like, is no different than if you get your song synced on an Apple advertisement, advertisement like a commercial. It was different because the way they had the iTunes set up is like you'd get your phone for the first time, and all of a sudden you have this U two album, and you don't even like U two. Where does it end it? though? Because like you get your <clears throat> iPhone, and you automatically it's filled up with Apple apps. You know that is true. Yeah. It's, it's I mean you're How buying. How do I delete app? the phone? I don't want so, the phone on my phone. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I get. Obviously, it's a weird conversation. That's, we don't have to go there, but these are the things I think. This about. is not a tech. Podcast. I'm a contrarian. I'm this like is now a tech podcast. Yeah. yeah, we're techies, techies and trekkies. Yeah, I don't know. I don't got any more rhymes. All right, this is going nowhere. This is failing fast. We're losing going our listeners. Fast. Our, the one guy on TikTok left. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's still. <laughs> um, so okay, so the, but yeah, 2009, the band announced concert dates for 2010. Um, so they yeah. started playing, and then um, 2010. They sent an email to the fans re, um, regarding their, their a new album, yeah. saying we're going to release another album. Yeah. So they they were back in the studio. Yeah. Of like I don't have more details than that, but they obviously started working on that album, yeah. which is called Five. Yeah. And like I don't know, I, I um, I, they could come up with a better name for their album, but whatever. Yeah. What? Who do they think they are? Bad, bad, not good. Yeah, I think they're. Yeah. You know. Um, I don't know, Queen. Queen. Could Queen call an album five? They had albums like four, I think, was big. Yeah. What about Beatles? Was it the White Album or something? The Black Album? Oh, it was Black Sabbath was the Black Album. No. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. We're we're going all over the place on this. Well, um (laughs) Yeah, so like I was super into Fear of Fours, and to be honest with you, like I haven't really dove that deeper into any of their other albums mm-hmm. um i i sort of skimmed a few for this podcast and i do have a couple of picks from five um i did listen to a few tracks from between darkness and wonder and um it was i think that was probably like a transitionary album for them where they were sort of coming out of that 90s sort of beat thing that you kind of mentioned and yeah. going a bit more into sort of really like softening that breakbeat you thing mm-hmm. and being a little bit more electronic about things yeah um, yeah yeah which is hard to yeah. it's hard to quantify and yeah, yeah and i can't like as a musician i i it's hard for me to even describe in my own brain 
what the difference is between something from the 90s or something that sounds yeah. more contemporary yeah. you know because it's like oh well it's the same kind of beat what's different about it it's very similar yeah. that's why music is so it's infinitely nuanced yeah i mean i don't i i think a few of their tracks sound dated but i don't think their albums sound dated like um yeah like that's a good way to put it yeah like you can definitely tell like their first album was a lot more like i think kind of what's happened with them is like is that you know andy was doing a lot of like production work in the early days and it was kind of all over it mm -hmm. and then the more that like lou did vocals the more he kind of introduced more strings and ambient sounds mm -hmm. and like so he's sort of like come out of his electronic beaty world and gone more into sort of like the ambient electronic stringy world sort of thing. And that's what I'm kind of hearing through these albums, I think, is like, you know, there's still that element of beats, but he's not so heavy on the beats as he was. Like yeah, just not early, such industrial like, intense yeah, yeah, yeah. in your face, yeah, yeah. bass and drum beats. Yeah. That, you know, I don't know. I That's what I think about when I think of like 90s, you know, pop, kind of music like that like yeah drums everywhere yeah just kind of constantly well well let's uh, see <laughs> i may have unfortunately picked a beaty song off no i'm not saying it's bad i'm just no no but i love drums and i i was like uh you're a drummer jay i i go for i gravitate towards beats whenever i hear them but, yeah uh um should we play a little bit off of five yeah give some i would love like, it some context i'm super down of uh yeah, or we're here to explore or Gabriel because that was off of what sound and it's it was I okay. No, play, yeah, yeah, play the one you got. I listened to Gabriel, that's all right, but all right. play this one. All right, butterfly effect from five. different track than what we've previously been spending on the show yeah i like that one that was really good yeah yeah and um yeah i feel like uh some of their stuff like sounded a little bit more like bonobo like well i was gonna say they kind of some of the stuff kind of went to a more kind of down tempo chill wave yeah um a little bit more towards that kind of thing yeah, yeah. than concentration on on the heavy beats yeah yeah which is cool. It just sounds more finesse to me. It sounds more contemporary to me. Yeah. Um, just sounds a little more nuanced and, and chill. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's what I got. And, and I like it. So I like the direction that they've, they've gone in, they've, that they've come from, and the, that they're going to. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was their first album they released after getting out of their label as well. So they self-released it on their own label. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so there was a lot more work involved in that on all aspects kind of thing because um, i guess like big labels provide all of the different departments and 
arts and PR and stuff like that, and they had to kind of wrangle all of that themselves. I think they mm -hmm. still had a manager though that was um doing uh, helping doing that, some, some guidance. Work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but, it's a, it's a lot going on though when you when you got to do it by yourself. You're doing yeah, yeah. you know you got artwork, you know planning dates, yeah, yeah, interviews, yeah, what have you, merchandise, yeah, you know travel plans. It it, it's endless. And, I, I don't um, know physical copies as well like i think they pre-sold like a few thousand copies um to kind of fund mm -hmm. that project sort of thing um but yeah i mean i think their live thing really was a big is a big thing for them still and that sort of kind of uh, you know allowed them to do this sort of thing but they said you know yeah financially it's been like you know they self-released it self-funded it and is still like you know because they're not they're they're well off but they're not millionaires or whatever and they're still trying to no see i mean the next dollar's coming from yeah i heard them talking about it in an interview and it's yeah yeah, yeah exactly where's yeah. the next dollar coming from yeah. you know and they've they're at a you know extensive they've been doing music for a while yeah you know they're in they're in this a couple decades worth of years yeah and you know these people are you know a lot of people say oh you made it you're successful and they're still you know yeah. kind of almost pinching pennies like oh is this gonna work out it's kind of yeah. they don't just have massive amounts of money is all i'm saying exactly yeah so yeah. i mean it's a lot of work to to put art out into the world and have people listen to it yeah and so. they're still like producing this out of andy's home studio like um in just outside outside of brighton that's where he lives now okay and um yeah i've never been there but yeah yeah it's uh it's a nice place it's where everyone from london goes to be by the seaside mm. get some sun i bet that's uh, lovely yeah it's not bad and um uh they yeah it's where bonobo spent his some of his formative years mm -hmm. and um yeah he like you know on a technical aspect he like he does everything on ableton and he has uh you know he has this like intricate sort of chain set up for her vocals like where they have a specific microphone and they go through like preamps and compressors to get her mm -hmm. vocal and tone just right sort of thing like, yeah, he, which he said he also used on on bono oh really uh, yeah for the ut thing you, yeah yeah okay you say um, bono bono yeah not bono but bono but okay i because i say bono? I, I say bono but i used i used to think it was bono <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like oh that's silly it is maybe it's bono it's I bono no i just think it's it's that english just, american thing words are funny like, i just yeah. like words and what I, I like to learn about them bono yeah yeah bono yeah because i thought it, we it was weird when somebody was like oh it's bono I'm like yeah. bono that doesn't sound right no yeah <laughs> it's the edge and bono yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. but but then now from this perspective i'm like bono sounds weird to call that guy bono <laughs> And now I hear it, Bono is right. So I don't know, I'm just, it's weird to, the uh, perception of words and, and going through life and changing and everything's weird. So that was 2011-5. Yeah. They killed it. And then they just kind of kept going. And they, yeah. they were like back on their track. Kind of, yeah. And then 2014, they did Backspace Unwind. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I think Lou said one of her favorite songs was Backspace Unwind. The title track off that number, the fourth track on that that record. Yeah, she also mentioned only our skin as a track as well. Mm -hmm. um, she said her new husband uh, always kind of melts or something whenever he hears hears that track or something like that. Did he, she wrote it about him? Um, I don't think so. But uh, she, she wrote it about Andy. Yeah, and the lost love. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then Andy's favorite song off that album is called "We Fall in Love." Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, yeah. I, did, I think I think this guy has a ulterior motive, maybe. Still, yeah, he's twenty plus years. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, he continues to work with her for that hope. Well, but then their second, their last album, twenty nineteen, is called "The Secret of Letting Go," and the uh, title track of that was written um, when they were thinking about when they were deciding to split up as a group again yeah well no i think when um or you're saying that was written before i think it was written before yeah. that break yeah so this one's been cooking in the yeah i think so yeah on the oven in the yeah in the toaster oven for a little while yeah, been <laughs> um yeah so then i think this is kind of you know i don't i don't want to say it in a bad way but more of the same like they're progressing they're yeah, yeah. doing their down tempo chill electronic stuff and it's really good it's high quality emotionally packed music yeah it's very good yeah there isn't anything that stand out about these but i would say there are like they are more atmospheric there's a lot more strings happening in there Mm -hmm. there's a lot more emotion emotive stuff um i think i think the production is starting to go out of the way a little bit and um yeah i I think through these these last few albums you can kind of hear how they've like their perspective on life is changing and you can feel how they're changing as people. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of being reflected into these albums. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, which is nor it's not a positive or negative thing. Yeah. But it's there these people are putting out art that reflects their state of being. Yeah. And I think that's super cool. Yeah. So absolutely. if they're doing that, they're doing something right. Yeah. Whether they go on or or, or not. And so I mean that was two thousand nineteen and, yeah. and that's up to date. They released a the deluxe version in 2020 yeah they've done some uh quarantine performances mm-hmm. on their youtube channel they did that last year as well they this is really really good track it's like not it's like one of the last videos they posted on their lamb youtube channel and it's just him playing piano and her singing mm-hmm. uh it's really good though like his chords he was doing just like really really good it really sounds gorgeous yeah and her voice was just like amazing and like yeah just go check that out that was like a, i think yeah, it well. was a i can't remember what song they performed it was one of their ones that's on the one of these albums but mm-hmm. um, but yeah that's sort of the last things they've done and um yeah that sort of kind of brings us up to date pretty much that's, at the moment that's yeah. lamb yeah l-a-m-b I think the only other thing to say about their sort of collaboration is I think it was like her third solo album. She was uh, looking for somewhere to um, uh, record and Mm -hmm. she and Andy offered his studio and also he produced it, I think. And she said normally that wouldn't have happened, but it sort of like seemed like right at that moment in time for them to make that decision sort of thing. And she said part of that deal was that he would, she would become a guest vocalist on his solo project. So he did have a solo project called Lobe, I think. I'm not sure how you spell that. I think it was L-O-W-B or something. Mm. But um, yeah, so that was kind of the only thing, which is kind of a cool thing. It's like they sort of made peace with their creative differences to be able right. to sort of do that kind well of yeah it, seems, it definitely yeah. seems like there's yeah. one way or another there's some gravity between them yeah yeah you know sure, yeah. they're they're yeah. drawing each other to each other f- yeah. for 
whatever reason yeah and it seems like it's been like that since they met yeah and it's it's like like an opposites attract kind of thing yeah where they're they're coming from different places but they want similar things that doesn't mean you're gonna just mesh with somebody perfectly and get along with them constantly yeah exactly. lovey-dovey 100 percent of the time yeah uh should we, we play out do yeah, we have anything else to say? yeah we got to end this episode now yeah. um <laughs> that's all i got on lamb though great yeah uh, you know, breakbeat, electronica, folktronica, yeah. beautiful female vocals, really emotionally packed. Yeah. Um, you know, clean and kind of you know produced vocals with an awesome, you know, drum and bass backbeat. Super yeah. cool, intricate, complex. Yeah. You know, soundscapes that are produced by Andy. Yeah. Super cool. I I've said it once on here. I'll say it again. Like their duality of that their dynamics coming from two different sides yeah butting heads with each other and trying to make something cool yeah that's what this band is all about for me like dynamically between the two of them and between the music that they're making yeah and it's it's endless and i think that's the energy that they capture in like all of their music so that's why it's that's why you should listen to it there you go go check them out Go re-spin some of their tracks. Go on YouTube. Go check out some of the music videos. I say dive in. Check out the first album or some yeah. of that early stuff and, and just get way deep in there. Oh, go check out the... like You saw some live performances of the band as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some good yeah. YouTube videos. Just search yeah. Lamb interviews or Lamb live. Yeah, yeah. And cool stuff will come up. Pretty intimate, cool, yeah, you know, close-up stuff. Yeah. Still the best live show I've been to. Yeah, that's so insane. Far. You've been to a lot of shows. You've been around the block. I think so, yeah. I even saw Cypress Hill play at the same venue as Lamb. Oh, really? Uh, probably before Lamb, a few years before Lamb. Nice. But, um, yeah. So, well, um, let's play out. This was a good one. It was fun, fun discussing this with uh, discussing Lamb with you, Jay. Yeah. Thanks for indulging me on this little journey. No, this has been great. It's been a journey. I think we learned a thing or two. I hope everybody else did online. And the email, right? This time I'm gonna make you say the email. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I have to spell it out. That's not my job. I'm not gonna do it. If you guys know any other cool facts about Lamb that we got wrong or that we didn't say that we should have said, teach us something. And if you're the first person to email us, Jay's gonna give you a, a Signal Radio swag bag, cash packer, swag cash, bag, yeah. cash pack, cash yeah. app. It's the bag of cash. <laughs> if you email us, you're gonna get a bag of cash. How much? You won't know until you email us at roots to grooves at signalradio.com. That's roots to grooves at S I G N L radio.com. Or you know what? You can also leave a wise ass TikTok comment. We're on the talk. Or a wise ass YouTube comment. And um, and you won't get the cash bag. You still have to send us an email. So yeah, anyway. That's the requirement. Right, yeah. That's a requirement of the cash pledge, bag. Pledge of allegiance. Yeah. Um, Thank you guys yeah. for being here. Thank you for listening. It's been fun. It's been real. Yeah. Well, I'm going to play out on the sound of one hand clapping. Well, the, the track is called One Hand Clapping, but this is going to be the sound of one hand clapping. No.
Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.